Hello and welcome to Brainspace, a place where you're going to listen to me as I talk to you and verse you my opinions on faith, religion, politics, society and the world, in particular through the lens of my own personal journey of growth and development. Without further ado, I give you Brainspace. Hi guys, so today I'm going to be talking about the topic of academic achievement and in particular how it's viewed and how much it's valued in black communities. Um, for this episode, I'm going to be joined by my friend Kamsi Ojoku, so you can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kansi. Um, me and Joel go to school together, same year and stuff. That's my good sis. We've been friends for a couple of years. Um, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. I feel like I, I keep forgetting to mention that. I have a YouTube, a faith-based YouTube channel where I discuss like all things faith, education, and personal development. Because I would say those are the three things that I, I am most passionate about, and I felt like why not share that passion with the world via the YouTube medium. So yeah, that's a bit about me. Uh, Yeah, so I will link her channel below and possibly your Instagram. I don't know if you want people following it, but I will link. She'll be plugged below. So go and interact with it. My boss. (laughs) That one's there. All right. Um, So just to kind of like start off the discussion, I want to kind of ask you, what has been your experience so far with like academic achievement and just education mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um I've always grown up in a very academic household because when I was born or I say shortly after I was born I think my mom started her tuition business which is um still ongoing so I have always had the understanding of like doing school doing work and finding school important like there were times where I'd be in like year three or year four and like her students that she does 11 plus with would be working and I'd just be there like doing some addition or something. Like I've always had it instilled in me that schoolwork is important. So I've kind of been um, an education kind of person since I was born. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, my mom's a tutor. So she tutored me during the 11 plus and um, that was a fun experience I feel like when you go to a tutor it's just there's the pressure there but it's just different when it's your own mom especially as an African mom like you know we had a we had a few interesting altercations over the years but <laughs> we thank God <laughs> thank God anyway and here we are yeah so like because like for me I think I don't know like if your experience was like a bit like like more normal because like with me I didn't go to second I didn't go to primary school right yeah I was homeschooled so it was like I don't know if I experienced education or like academic achievement in a regular way just because like I didn't have the normal experience like I didn't get to go to not I didn't get to go I could have gone to primary school but I didn't like primary school Mm. because it was boring a and I didn't like people so I just didn't go but like I don't know if that affected me. Like, I, I want to try and figure out, like, if that affected me, like, you know, like, going forward, if you don't go to, like, secondary school, primary school, like, or, like, to a normal one, does it, like, change your perspective, in a sense? Actually, that's... It's interesting that you said that, because, guys, I went to a primary school, in it. Like, I wasn't... I've never been homeschooled before this whole pandemic where we're doing online learning, but anyway, we won't get into it. Um, the thing is, primary school is such a formative time in your like education journey, right? So with me, because I've had education 
like as such an important factor in my life for so long, I was always quite bright. And because of that, in my school, they had this thing called the Gifted and Talented Gifted and Talented program. I think that's what it was called, yeah. Where they would take like a, like select kids that were good at like, English maths and then they would give them extension work or sometimes in my school anyway, we got taken out of lessons to just do fun things purely because we were smart. And at the time, like that was fun and I loved it. But then it kind of, it kind of, it impacts the way you see people that aren't quote unquote as intelligent as you are. Because I felt like there was almost a weird superiority complex that I kind of adopted. But then there was also the pressure that came with that because I felt like I had to maintain this level of academic excellence, um, which was very quickly shaken up when we reached secondary school. That's a very different thing. So I'd say going to primary school, it does actually affect the way that you see things because it affected the way I responded to, for example, being in a classroom with kids with lower ability to me. How do I interact with them in that way? How does, um, like the way the way that I view them as people, because I was always, it was always put on me, oh, Kamsi, you're such a good person because you're smart. And I thought, okay, my, my worth comes from my academic achievement. So therefore those who aren't as smart as me are, don't deserve to be like treated as well as I am because I'm smart and you're not. But obviously, yeah, as you grow up, that changes. But that experience um, is quite a unique one. So when you say that you didn't go to primary school, I say that's one thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's positive or negative though. But it's one thing that has that would obviously like differ our educational journeys. I guess. Yeah. No, yeah, because like it's 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 weird because I went primary school for six weeks. Out of the whole six-year situation, I was there for six weeks, and I very, I very vividly remember hating the whole thing. Like I hated the whole experience of going to primary school because I went when I was mm-hmm. in year one, but like at the end, towards the end of year one, so like the last half mm-hmm. time of year one, I went, and I remember being like, I hate this place. It's so boring because I I started like schooling, like primary schooling at age two, not age five, because I was like mm-hmm. I was homeschooled. I didn't have to start at five. I started at two. So when you're going into year one. As a, as a person who's already done year one three years ago, you're already ahead it's of the class. It's like, so it's like, yeah. I didn't find it like challenging enough. And I think similar to you, like when I got to secondary school, I was like, man, I'm smart. I don't need to be here like that. Like it's not that deep. I don't need to pay attention. And I think that kind of made me a bit complacent. I'm not going to lie. Year seven, especially. I was like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and even if you think about the story of the people that go to our school, yeah, everybody says like, we were so much smarter in year six than we were in year seven. Like, I don't know what happened in year seven, <laughs> but if you look at the grades that I got in year seven, um, slightly shambolic, like, it was kind of bad. And I just felt like, why was life so much... I don't know, why was I just so much smarter in year six than year seven? But anyway, yeah, no, I relate. I relate. Uh, I definitely think, like, I think because, like, the two of us... We're a group of people, like, what well, not a group, but a pair of people, I guess, that had a different... I guess, I don't think we had... I feel like we didn't have, like, a regular academic experience because we're smart, if that makes sense. Because I think, mm. first of all, you get that kind of complacency. Oh. If you do well, you get complacency. Then, but then at the start, man, <laughs> at the same time, it's like... I feel like it makes you... It makes you complacent. But then, also, I feel like with the pressure thing that you were talking about, where because you were getting talented, you felt like you had to maintain that standard... 
I feel like that affects me mm. a lot more as I've gotten older. Mm, mm, bro, you know where you're going. <laughs> that one there is a serious one. That one there, that pressure thing. You know when you've you've gotten into an institution like the institution we go to that I won't disclose because privacy and that <laughs> but when you go to the kind of school that we go to, yeah, and you have the aunties and the they're looking at you, they're like, oh, look at the kind of school you're going to, like my child wants to do that. And now you feel the pressure to be super smart because you're like carrying a whole community on your back that you didn't ask to carry, that it was never something that you had the opportunity to say no to. Mm. So I feel like for us, the pressure is slightly different than the other people that might go to our school if that is experienced because it's just kind of like, and I don't want to go too far into what we're going to talk about and stuff, but there's a different kind of uh, pressure that we have. It's not always um, necessarily put on us on purpose and it's not something that's necessarily negative. Like I don't feel like people mean to do it when they do it, but it is, um, it's very, it can be quite heavy sometimes. It can be quite heavy, I'll just say that. Yeah, I think, I think that is a good place to start then for like the main discussion. What mm. is the pressure that you feel? Like you can say it really like, just close it. At the end of the day, it's meant to be like genuine. Open convo, yeah? Yeah. Calm. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll take it back a little bit, but not too far. Um, when my when it was my time to do the 11 plus exams I had like the general pressure that people have of like wanting to get into a school like you've worked so hard and now the pressure is to do well in the exam normal standard everybody has that yeah then there's the pressure from my like family that are like I can't do well like get into the schools that you can have like a bright future because I was always told that success was linear anyway. Go to this school, get these grades, get this job, get this money. You know, the general stuff that we're told. But at the time, I was like, get into this school because it's the start of, like, your future and all of this stuff. I'm like, okay, calm. There's pressure from family. Now, my mom's a tutor. So if I didn't pass, people wouldn't come and her business wouldn't be doing well. So there was the pressure of, like, my mom's clients were looking at me like, oh, is she going to pass? Is she going to do well? And you know when people say like, oh, don't even worry, you've passed already. Like as a means of trying to make you feel better about the situation or just like give you a bit more confidence, but rather it just like breaks you down even more because like, well, now I have to get in because I don't have the opportunity to not like to fail in this case. So I was kind of, there were a lot of eyes on me and because if I passed, it would drive up my own business, which would be like family money and like running the house and that kind of stuff. It was just a lot to deal with at the time. I was just like, so many people are looking at me to see if I do one of these exams. And it's just like, I've had to kind of carry that pressure throughout my secondary school and now into typical experience because it's not a thing that just stops when you get into the school. Now they're looking at you. Oh, how, how's Kanti doing? Then came to GCSEs now. Oh, campus in year 11. Oh, GCSEs, how's that going to go? And it's kind of those pressures that you think would would relieve itself slowly over time. But I guess it kind of grows. And I've kind of gotten used to it, but it wasn't pleasant, especially when I was like 10, 11, like dealing with all of that. 
all these aunties looking at me and judging me, comparing me to their kids. And I became the comparison kid. Oh, look at her daughter. And I was just like, I never really signed up for this. And there's very limited space for me to kind of fail or make mistakes because so many people are watching. But yeah, what about you, man? That was that was my experience. No, because like, similar to you, it's like my grandma is a person really who was like teaching me for sec- like primary school. So it's like, I I was it was intense. My primary school, edu- primary school kind of education was very much yeah. intense. As in, I wasn't learning off of the British curriculum. Put it like I was learning off of the Caribbean curriculum. And to put that into context oh, wow. for you, to put that into context for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let me put that into context. In the Caribbean, you go to school when you're ready to go to school, not based on your age. My grandma went to school at age nine. At went to secondary school at age nine. Put it like that. You have to, as long as you're academically there, you get to go to secondary school. So I was put on this intense now West Indian curriculum at age what, two? (laughs) Age two, guys. Wow. So it's like you're working on a different level. Like you're working, it's a different level of like drilling and like, I don't know, it was a lot of, I didn't realise how intense it was until I got to year, year seven and I was like, wait a sec, I literally did this two years ago, mm, three years ago, I've yeah. done this already. And I think because of that, like, because it was my grandma as well, I felt like I had that responsibility, like you, to kind of be like, okay, it wasn't all in vain. Like, all the time you put in, all the effort you put in was not just, oh, for me, for me to not get in. But I think mm. another thing that was iffy that I found that added pressure was the whole, like, I mean, okay, I kind of spoke about this in, like, a previous episode, in the Smart Black Girl episode, but in mm. terms of being I knew that when I went to the school I was going to be in a minority so that placed more pressure on me anyways because I knew racially I'm going to be in a minority I knew now I've got a bigger backpack to carry do you know what's so funny I didn't know I wasn't expecting it you weren't I didn't (laughs) the first day of year seven was the biggest slap in the face I'd ever received in my life I was like what the heck is going on I didn't expect it I didn't expect it I wasn't looking around me on like exam day I wasn't looking at the demographic I was like let me just be thinking about this exam and preparing myself bro I did not even have a clue I didn't know (laughs) now (laughs) the thing would be I remember on results day, I saw you, not on results day, on one of the exam days, I saw you and I saw mm. one of our other friends, Amber. I saw the two of you. I didn't know you at that point, obviously, but I saw them yeah. and I was like, okay, that's three. <laughs> <laughs> I remember very vividly because when you, okay, let me put it into, into like context. If you don't know how this works, with 11 plus, you go to the school and they have like, say like they have 200 places maybe. Well, our school had 100. You have 200 places and, like, 2,000 kids come into this school. Playing for places. <laughs> oh, my gosh, bricks. When you say it out loud, it sounds like the Hunger Games. Like, it is, though. I, looking, I remember looking around, like, oh, my God, who's going to do competition for me? Who looks like I'm mm. going to struggle against them? I was like, okay, if I get in, who's going to be in my class with me? I'm looking around. I saw literally two black kids on those days. <laughs> And that is what I put it. I got put into perspective. It slapped me in the head. I was like, wait a sec. 
Your this is going to be a different. Prepared, but I didn't even know. I didn't even know. I didn't expect it. Jesus Christ. And especially coming from my primary school, I went to a very, very, like, diverse, as in, like, there was a massive group of black kids, a massive group of, like, Mali kids, massive group of, um, like, Turkish kids and stuff. Like, lo- there was just lots of everyone. So mm. now I'm coming as the only one. And I was thinking, what, what is going on here? Like, what is going on? I, I went home that day, I was like, Dad, I'm the only black girl in my class, and there's 25 of us. And I've never experienced that kind of loneliness in my life. <laughs> Carry on, man. No, like I understand completely because even I didn't go to I didn't go to primary school necessarily. My the area I grew up in, I grew up in North London, and the area like not northwest, okay, okay, not north east. Okay, 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 even north east is like that. I grew up in like Tottenham area, area, Enfield area. That means there's a big like there's like a lot of um, there's a lot of people it's a very diverse area there's a big there's a huge like somali um population huge turkish population huge eastern european population there's a lot of jewish people there it's everybody lives it's a whole it's like a proper melting pot when i left that area to go to my school i knew it was going to be a minority i knew i did not know it was going to be to that extent and i couldn't predict the effect that was going to have on me i couldn't like predict it in terms of academics i don't think i could have really foreseed it um <laughs> even now every time i think about it it's been six years we go into this school, yeah? <laughs> every time i think about it i'm just like wow because you know something that i didn't even like realize as well with that being the only one meant that you had to prove to everyone else that black people weren't stupid this whole um What's the word for it? I don't even remember the word. Stigma or just preconceived ideas that black people are not academically able, which is why they do music and sports. Like that's why you see more black people in music and sports because they can't do school. Now you're the only one to represent that minority. Now you suddenly become the voice of your community. The questions that... Right, I'm going to be so pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> questions that some people asked me yeah which at the time was fine because it was pure innocent ignorance like they had never encountered being in a classroom with another black person which to me didn't make any sense with my whole primary school experience but anyway I have had to be the voice of black people every black question came to me even if I didn't know the answer I had to go google it and report back as if I didn't know the answer um, I had to prove now that black people weren't the stereotype. And there are some comments that I received from some students that um, really showed me how ingrained these preconceived ideas were into um, not only their heads, but also like their family. And I just had I just had to be so many people to so many people. I had to be the, the black, the token black friend. I had to not be the violent one because then I'd be scary. I couldn't speak certain way because then I'd be causing trouble or scary. There had been instances, not even in year seven, but in following years where I couldn't even express certain things without it coming across as me being violent or argumentative. And it's just, I feel like our secondary school experience was just different for so many reasons and obviously now the school we go to is very much a bubble so 
or we, we're already having a very special um, secondary school experience. Like the standard of um, making noise in like year 10 science lessons, like we never had that. In our lessons, we were working. People were studying and we were getting the work done. So it was already very different. But then even with all of that, plus just being the black girl, bro, God is actually on the train. God is actually on the throne because at this point, <laughs> every time I think about it, it's just like, wow, how did we go through all of that? But here we are. We've made our name so people after us can come. That's that's really the purpose of it. But, yeah. yeah. Like, definitely to like, mirror what you said. There was a lot of, because it was, I don't know, I don't think I realised automatically. I don't know how to explain it. I got into my class and I feel like I expected that more would come. I don't know why. In my head, I was like, this isn't it. <laughs> I was like, no, I was like, I remember being like, this can't be it. There must be more, right? And then we had our first assembly. And it was a hundred, whole hundred people. I'm looking and I see four. I was like, what? I was like, okay, can't be that bad. There's probably teachers, not one. In year seven, there was not one black teacher, like member of staff in my school. It's true. It's true. That's scary when you're 11 years old. That's terrifying because it's then like what you said, you have that pressure to do well because you're like, well, now I'm the, I'm the black kid. So I have to make sure everyone knows black kids aren't dumb. I have to let them know that I can do it. And so can the rest of my people. But it's like, mm. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more pressure on black kids generally even if you're not in a school that's like mainly not black even in like a school that's like very much diverse I feel like there's still a lot of pressure on us to still do well because not only we're trying to like break down stereotypes but I think if you think about it like in our terms of our own community I feel like there's a lot of pressure in the black community for people to be academic yeah yeah 100% oh my gosh Every time I just think about it, I just because that's the thing as well. I feel like within the black community, there is this pressure to do well academically. I feel like it's quite new, and the reason I say this is because I don't think a lot of black parents, for example, are very aware of the opportunities that come as a result of being more academically inclined. Like. And this isn't always their fault. This isn't always ignorance. Sometimes it's just, it's just the way the system is set up. Like, if you're, if you're a white middle-class um, person, have a family, you can, you can most likely afford to go to private school, which means you can most likely afford to hear about these kind of opportunities that can come from being in, like, higher institutions like Eton and them and there. But when you think about where we live, I don't think there are there aren't very many, like, good schools in this area there aren't very many I feel like like two, one or two maybe um, there's not very many opportunities but the thing you will see a lot of is sports centres and I'm thinking well why is there so much more of um, an emphasis on being sporty like doing well in terms of sports now this isn't me discrediting sports people because like when it comes to things like running and stuff well you know like best in it like they don't have to like talk too tough but but I feel like the thing about sports is that education actually has you for life because if you've injured yourself now 
then you're kind of in a sticky situation. A lot of these um, athletes, their careers end very early on in their life. Like literally a couple of days ago or something, I saw on Sky Sports, Anthony Joshua was talking about how he's going to be retiring soon. I said, is this guy even 30 years old yet? Like, how is he going to like maintain that? Obviously, he has enough wealth to basically carry his like, kids, so it's okay. But not everyone makes it to the top. And I feel like that's the, that's the edge that education has over necessarily doing something like music or doing something like sports. But I don't think a lot of parents, black parents, know about these opportunities or know that this is available to them, which is why when people like us get into these institutions where we can have these kind of opportunities taught to us like for free, because obviously we don't pay to go to school, we have, there's so much more pressure on us now to kind of feed that back to our communities and let people know like this is what can happen, this is what you can do. Like it's not just... GCSEs and go like there's actual usefulness in what we're doing in school so yeah no yeah because I I think like what you said about it being a bit newer because there wasn't as much like exposure about like certain opportunities like grammar school etc etc and also like just Mm -hmm. accessibility was different because I mean it's not that we've not been here a long time but comparatively we haven't been established like black people have not been established here for that long if you get what I mean Mm -hmm. like as a proper like community so I feel like the opportunities obviously are different the accessibility has been different but something I've noticed is that what I, that I've picked up on anyways okay particularly because of the subjects I do right at a level yeah. I study maths chemistry German and history and that combination doesn't really point anywhere necessarily it doesn't really have a path as it's such good there, good there, good people there. I've gotten a lot of comments from people whether they're men maliciously or not or questions kind of along the lines of, well, what are you even going to do with that? How is that useful to you? Are you doing medicine? Mm. No. Are you doing science? No. Engineering? No. Law? No. Then why would you take those subjects? And I think part of that comes from the fact that in, I'm not going to say just black communities, but I can speak from that because it's my experience. In minority communities, but particularly like Caribbean and African backgrounds, there's an emphasis on getting a job, like having a linear path in career-wise or education but I think that comes a lot from a sense of wanting security, if that makes sense. Because yeah. if you have a linear path, yeah. you're guaranteed a job at the end of it. You're guaranteed that kind of financial stability. And but I think the, the effect of that, like the implications, it's a bit. It's a bit. Mm, I don't know if it like mm. justifies the means, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's actually such an interesting point because. This is why I'm very, I never want to sound as if I'm ungrateful because I feel as though often like our parents and like the generation before them just had to work so hard to be secure that I don't even know if they had the opportunity to necessarily do quote unquote what they want to do, which is why even when you look at like universities now, so many, I know a lot of people doing law at uni. I know a lot of people doing medicine at uni. And I'm just like, there is very much um, an emphasis on getting into a secure degree. And for me as well, my combination of subjects is very much, I just chose the subjects I enjoyed at GCC, uh, which were geography, Spanish, economics, which we didn't do at GCC, but I just picked anyway, and maths. And because I can't 
necessarily say, oh, these four subjects will take me to this degree at this institution. Many people think, um, well, what do you really want to do with your life? And I tell them, honestly, at this point, I don't know. I'm very much leaving my future in God's hands because I don't actually know where I'm going right now, but I'm very much okay with that. And I feel like people often have an issue with me not knowing where I'm going, but at this point, it is actually my life. So it's not a thing where you need to be worried about it because I know that I'm in good hands. And I feel like that's something I've had to communicate to my parents. Like, regardless of what happens, I'm in good hands because I'm in God's hands. So it's not a thing where I'm necessarily going to waste because I'm not doing this set of um, subjects that will take me to do medicine at this university. Like, I kind of like the thrill of living an insecure, quote-unquote, life. Like, I don't necessarily have this life plan that's going to take me 20 years down the line, and I like that. It's spontaneity, it's freedom, and I feel like exploration is really what life is about. Like, I don't want to be in a rigid system so early. Like, I'm literally 16. Like, what are you doing boxing me into a career? I don't even know, like, what I'm having for lunch. I don't even know what I'm having for lunch. So for me to be deciding what I'm doing with my life 10, 20 years from now, crazy, man. I like how I'm living. I'm very comfortable here. So. <laughs> like, honestly, like, bro, I don't even know what I'm going to eat after this. Genuinely. So I don't know what I'm going to do in my career when my mind changes all the time. Even when I was picking my A-level subjects, I was going to take... Physics, further maths, math and chemistry. <laughs> now, people that know me, yeah, people that know me personally, know I've cried over physics, I have cried over math, so which one am I taking further maths for? And chemistry was my reserve anyway, I just took it because I enjoyed it, but this is because I thought, oh, my dad one day went, Tracy, what if you like engineering? I thought, oh yeah, you're right. What if I do like engineering? No, I thought, well, I don't enjoy engineering or any kind of physics lessons. And um, I, was just, I started convincing myself that I loved physics. Oh my God, everybody <laughs> in my school can be laughing. I convinced myself I loved physics so much. I would be so engaged with the lessons. Like Me and my teacher were such good friends. I was like, oh yes, I love this. I would stay behind lessons to do the homework, talk to her about it. Only for me to get to decision day and realise, no, I actually physics so, <laughs> there was no way that was ever going to be an option for me but yeah I just kind of like the freedom that we have I prefer it no for sure in the sense that it's way I find it way better that there's a choice of what to do if that makes sense mm. like people I did get a lot of like questions a lot of comments a lot of like suggestions quote or quote of, like no why don't you just try <laughs> why don't you just try taking <laughs> suggestions <man. laughs> Why don't you just try taking five, huh? You can take those, but take this one too, you know? You could, maybe you could just lean towards, and then you can change your mind afterwards. And I think that, um, I think that that is kind of harmful, right? I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit harmful because if you're somebody who is more creatively inclined, it is difficult because for me, I feel like I'm more of a, like I have an analytical brain, but I feel like not in the science sense, more in a humanity sense, more in like, let me have a debate with you. Let's have a discussion, like that kind of way. So yeah. for someone who's more based in like a humanities, that's why my brain kind of works more. It is a bit invalidating sometimes when you're part of a community that has such high, like they place a lot of emphasis on acad- well, what they class as what is an academic achievement. So like law, medicine, something very vocational. 
I feel like it's so damaging because like even like with the podcast, for example, people are like, well, is that going to make you money? Is that going to be lucrative for you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, God. It doesn't slap. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. When you're a creative and they just don't get it. Anyway, anyway. Like, and I, I think a lot, and as well as that, something not only in our community, like as black people, but also if you go to a school that is like very much academically, that is their, you know, their, their area of, that's how they win. You know, they have, they have good exam results, or whatever. If you're like going to a grammar school, or private school, a lot of emphasis is placed on academic subjects, maths, they want to do science. Well, I have a feeling I know exactly what you're going to say. They want to do physics. Exactly what you're going to say. But, <laughs> stop, stop, not trying making me laugh. They want you to do like certain, like they're going to push you into a, into what they feel like will be successful and what will be, the most you know linear and like that's helpful but if you come from a background Mm. whether you're black asian whatever it may be where that is already like there's already a standard an expectation for you to do a certain set of subjects or a certain kind of degree and then you go into an institution Mm. where that's also being echoed at you if you have a different opinion or a different way of thinking or a different method of learning or whatever it may be or different interests you're going to feel alienated and you're going to feel like you're not getting there. If that means. you're not, you're not doing. You're like you're gonna feel inadequate. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, mm. how do you fix it? <laughs> That's the question. Now, for anyone listening, yeah, that might not understand why I was laughing when she brought this up. Let's just provide a little bit of context, okay? <laughs> so, um, the we we go to a grammar school, so we are very much blessed to have the opportunity to like get these kind of different opportunities for like work experience and like different things that can help our CVs and help us prepare for uni applications and all that kind of stuff, right? Which is great. And we're grateful. However, many of these opportunities are very much tailored to people that want to do computer science, medicine, law, or any kind of engineering. So if you are a, like a Joelle that wants to do something more humanities-based, or B, like me, who doesn't know what they want to do, you don't really have any opportunities on offer for you. Which then begs the question, when it comes to uni application time, my personal statement is going to be looking a little bit weak because there is nothing that I have done. This has been something that we've kind of, <laughs> we've discussed a lot just in general in school. And it's something that I've been trying to find a way around it's a thing where I don't want to find myself doing lots of little experiences that are useless to me because they don't actually end up helping me but I just feel it's quite annoying when it's it's so constrained and I understand why there's so many opportunities for things like medicine because it's such a competitive field and not only are people trying to get into medical school they're trying to get into the best medical school so the more you do and the more useful opportunities that you have then obviously it's going to help your application in it but when you don't really know what you're doing or the opportunities for you just aren't there, you're kind of just hanging around. Like, I can be in the study room and there'll be girls that are talking about, oh, yeah, guys, I just finished this work experience and I'm going to give a talk about this field in biomedical society. And I'm just thinking, when did you even have the time to research that when we're all doing four A-levels? Like, how did that opportunity even come up? Like, what did you type? What did you find out? Like, how is the internet just tailored to what you're going to do in the future? Like, how do you just know? And it's been something that's quite frustrating, but you kind of get over it. It's just one of those things that's just like, yeah, it is what it is. Like, it's not fun, but it is what it is. 
I don't know why she's laughing because she, she <laughs> everything you're saying is true. It's just it's just funny because I mean you guys can't see this, but having a Zoom call, so I can see her, her reactions and her facial expressions, and it's making it extremely hilarious. Okay, but <laughs> I definitely identify what you're saying because we've had this we, like me and her have had this conversation quite a lot. But I think what I'm trying to understand, like, even aside from, like, the institution you're placed into, it's kind of like, why is it that a black kid's experience has to be so difficult? I, I'm not saying other people's aren't. They, they definitely are. Everyone has a difficult thing or may have challenges or struggles along the way. But what I'm trying to understand is, like, because I've been thinking about this a lot recently, it's kind of, why is it that I'm having such a hard time in school I'm not saying like acad- I'm not sh- like not struggling in terms of grades or whatever but why is it such a difficult step going to school like why is it so hard and why is there so much pressure because obviously we've talked about like familial pressures things about race um, about community about school, the actual institution you're in but I'm trying to figure out like why do we feel it so hard A eh? and how do we alleviate that or make it better for generations to come mm. I mean, it kind of, oh, that is such a, that is such a, a massive question that I don't even think I can provide the answer to. But um, if we're thinking solutions now, it kind of, it has to start at the top. When it comes to these people that are like in charge of these institutions, like head teachers and all that stuff and like all that kind of thing, I just think it's important that um, something we were actually going to do at one point like I think during the lockdown of 2020 was go to our head teacher, obviously not on like an argumentative kind of like try to fight her, like we're doing, but <laughs> go to her and just try to understand like when it comes to the students that you allow in like entrance exams and stuff, how do you decide which student you're going to pick? Because for us to say about 2000 people applied for 100 places when we join the school, obviously that number may be bigger or smaller, I don't really know. For 100 places and four, maybe five, I think four or five of us are black. Are you insinuating that black people didn't apply for the school? Because that would be the only logical way of saying, or, or of justifying why there are like such, why there are such a small minority because if that's not the case, then you've picked it, yeah, which sounds a little bit more problematic. But that was one thing we were going like, to do. We are going to find her, but then obviously COVID and everything. <laughs> but when there was the whole, like, all of the BLM talks were happening, that was something that we brought up to our heads of key stage. And it was just very odd to think about because I refuse, I refuse, I refuse, I refuse to believe that Black students aren't smart enough to go to the school that we go to. Like, there's absolutely no way. And this is not just the Black community, because, like, I have friends who are just only of their race. Like, obviously, I have um, our friend, she's Iranian, but she's, like, one of two Iranians in our year. And the only reason there are two Iranians is because another girl joined for sixth form. So it's, like, it's not just Black people. Like, it's not just us, right? But I don't know. I think there's a very overwhelming majority of certain demographics um, I'm just, I don't know if I should go there or not. I don't know if it's going to sound rude or whatever. Like, I'm just going to allow it in it. But I feel like there's no reason why it shouldn't be more equal. But at the same time, I wouldn't just 
quote-unquote blame the school because I'm not saying it's the school's fault because I don't think a lot of the time people in my area even know my school. When I started secondary school, they asked me, oh, Capsi, what school do you go to? And every time I say it, they'd be like, oh, I don't even know what that is. I don't know where that is. And I feel like there's a thing where people just don't also know about the opportunities available to them. So I feel like there's two... There's two sides to it. There's one side where it's like, okay, when you're doing the selection process, are you making this fair for everyone or are you just choosing those who are fit to the demographic quote unquote of the school, whatever that may mean. And also there's the side of going back to our communities and saying, well, you don't have to be limited to this area. There's more beyond here that you can be exposed to that can take you further than necessarily the schools in our area. Because I mean, the schools around me aren't great. Like the local schools, they aren't they aren't very good. They don't have great reputations, right? So I feel like there's two there's two kind of conversations that need to be had. But I feel like once kind of that gap is bridged, like okay, the selection process is more fair, and also more students are actually applying, more students are trying their education to get into these places to take them wherever they need to go. Because you can be in an academic institution and go and do something else. Like you don't even have to do a kind of school career you don't have to go to uni if you want like it's not even by force right but I feel like once that gap is kind of not widened shortened I was like the opposite widened once that gap gets shorter then I feel like it will be easier to move forward for future generations of black students and getting them into these spaces yeah no yeah like I I think the same thing going off something you said like specifically um about like about the selection process I think is important to like talk about especially because I think especially if you go to a school that is um like a grammar school a lot of I don't know if it's all I think probably most schools do this so they have like a catchment area right and that means that people Mm. I think I think it's like people in that area are giving precedence in the selection process because they live closer so it's just it works for the school bell I think when you have a school in a very in a not in an area that's not diverse in an area that is has like a very large like majority demographic that it can become mm-hmm. problematic because then when you have minority students come in like us we come into a school mm-hmm. where most people in that catchment area don't look like us and can't be identified yeah. with us racially it then creates a problem where it's like you've got this huge majority based off of the catchment area but then it's like is that like i, I get what you like it's like is it really fair a eh? and yeah how is is it like really justifiable because i guess I don't th- I feel like like to your point it's not that less black kids are applying or they're not applying to the school but I feel like it's a it's a, also a situation of opportunities within that area because as you were mm. saying in our in our like home wherever not hometown but you know like wherever we live <laughs> in our hometowns um the schools aren't that great that's not just secondary schools that's also primary schools at that point yeah, how do you true. get how do you get into a good school if you've gone to a bad primary school Unless you're having that at home oh, experience. Oh, yeah, it's true. Oh, it's true. You need to kind of kind of get there early, like get to these kids earlier, because I can speak for myself, obviously, because you didn't go to primary school. But when I was in primary school, like <laughs> we didn't have talks about like secondary school aside from like in year six when they were teaching you how to use your oyster card for example like there was nothing about that kind of opportunities that we could get beyond here and I feel like I was never exposed to that in primary school even though my primary school at the time when I attended was quite good like it wasn't as good as it was in the past but it was still quite good now it's not so great 
But I feel like that's a problem because there aren't like people going into these schools and letting these kids know like this is what you could do, this is what you could have as a result of that. And even I was as you were talking, something else that you said. When you do our school doesn't even have a catchment area. There is no catchment area. There is one now, I think, which is like I don't know why they imposed that, but our school didn't have a catchment area when we applied. So why isn't it more diverse since you're t- basically taking people from all over London and Essex? Like, there are people in our year that come from Essex every single day <laughs> for school. Essex, bro. Like, that's outside of London. Like, how long do you have to journey to be getting to school from Essex? And it's still not a diverse place. Like, these people live on the... There are people in my year that live on the same road, how did that happen? Like, how in the <laughs> infiniteness of London, yeah? This is, to put it in perspective, there are more people in London than in New Zealand as a country. Deep it. <laughs> so in this London, yeah, how can people that live on the same street be in the same school? What, what is that? What does that even... Oh, it blows my mind sometimes because I'm thinking, how could that have happened? It can't completely be coincidence. That's that's what I'm saying. Like it's, I'm not trying to do a conspiracy thing here, guys. <laughs> if you're like a teacher yeah. that teaches our school, we love you guys. Okay, we love really all of you. We do, and we appreciate it. Like, we we yeah, do. We're not bashing the school. We just have some questions. It's not about the school specifically. It's just about the institution. Okay, so. <laughs> I, <laughs> Anyways, this is non guys, by the way, this is non-funded platform. I don't, I can't get demonetized. It's what it is. So what I'm trying to say is, if you think about it, it just doesn't really add up because yeah. it's like, I just, it doesn't really add up the selection process to me. Obviously you could say it's meritocratic, right? So if you do well enough, you will get in. And if that's how you're like choosing it, oh, well, if you get the high enough grades, then you'll get in. But then the question, the step below that is, how do you get the high enough grades? You have to have that preparation before secondary school. Now, if you're looking mm. at the areas that have the best schools, they tend to be places like Kensington or Chelsea, Barnet, oh. um, Harrow. Those are the areas that have the best schools. Places in West London or South East London, like Bexley has pretty good schools. West London has pretty mm. good schools. Northwest has pretty good schools. Essex has pretty good schools. Hertfordshire does. If you're talking about inner city, AKA Enfield, Tottenham, Harrogate, <laughs> we're talking about Newham, Tower Hamlets, Poplar, okay? No one knows what Poplar oh, is. Jesus. It's a very bad area. If you're talking about there, you're not getting government provision like that. So your schools aren't going to be that good. So your kids are not going to get the best grades in 11 plus. Mm. And if that's where most, like, if you look at the demographic of these, of these not countries, of these areas, yeah, yeah. you see yeah. that a, a lot of the time they have a majority BAME back like demographic most people there aren't white in those areas and it's mm. not I'm not just making this up you can look at it I've looked at it trust me that they either have a higher like than average amount of like non-white people or it's the overwhelming majority of people in that area aren't white interestingly yeah. these areas also have very bad education interestingly mm, 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 they're not mm, getting mm, great mm. 11 plus schools interestingly they're not how getting into many, grammar schools bro, you're, you're saying 11 plus how many people even know what 11 plus is Period. Do people even know? Okay, then. Do people even know? <laughs> no one talks about 11 plus in primary school. We didn't get taught about that. You only know that if you know. And that's the thing. People just don't know. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> it's like... At this point. <laughs> and it's like, I guess you could say here that, well, we are. the parents haven't... I feel like it's weird because you can be like, oh, the parents have, like, a duty to, like, 
look that stuff up for their kids. But at the same time, mm. the secondary schools have that duty as well. Because mm. I've see, I have seen advertisement for our school and schools in our area of a similar standard around that area, but not where I live. I've never seen, oh. I've never seen an advert for our school or a school like our school, whose name I won't mention, but we can guess. I would, I've never seen, <laughs> I've never seen this, like these advertisements pass a certain postcode. After you leave Northwest, I don't see these posters or these advertisements. Oh, even in the train station. It's interesting. When you go on the underground, it's the, those are the schools that you see, but not near my area. Once you get past Houston on the Northern Line, the advertisements <laughs> change. <laughs> no. Oh, I never even thought about that. I never even thought about that. Wow. Wow. There we, <laughs> there we go, guys. There we are. Because I didn't even think of see these are the kind of things that kind of just go over my head because I was just like this is one of those experiences that I've kind of blocked out in life you know like the whole year seven so I was just like mm, okay we kind of moved you know uh, you don't have to think about that too much I had to dwell on it you know we're moving forward wow it's I don't goodness me like deep because have the, you ever seen an advert for our school or anything like our school no. Whoa, the only schools <laughs> that you see adverts for are the adverts for schools in my area and then like no like schools you don't even hear of in like central London that have like one year, like funny uniform or something. You hear but about private that, schools that you can't afford to go to. Yeah, yeah. Or the yeah, bad yeah, school yeah. in your area. Oh my days, fam. Right. Well Oh, uh, guys, you can't even see what she's typing in the chat. And now I don't even want to talk to Tom. <laughs> it's just like... I don't even want to talk to Tom. I'm, oh, I, I don't know, man. It's, oh. it's just like, I don't know. It's very... It just seems very sketchy to me. And that's why I have a little bit of an mm. issue where people are like, well, it's a meritocratic system. Because that only works if you have equal opportunity in the first place. You can only say, oh, well, it's based off of merit or based off of your grade. But if you don't have the same provision at the start, then how are you going to get to say, like, a high enough end result, if that makes any sense? <laughs> like, I don't know, bro. It stresses me out. And this is why, like, I feel like it's, it's even worse when you get there because it's like, you're now that one freak accident that got there. You're that anomaly that yeah. slipped in through the cracks. By accident. When you meant to be there. It's like that. Gosh, dang it. How does she get here? Imposter syndrome, guys. That's a that's a good conversation to have. Oh, Joelle, this your episode is gonna be long. We can, we can make imposter it into two parts. It's fine. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. Ah, oh, imposter syndrome. Do you know imposter syndrome is something I'm even to this day I'm still trying to deal with. I don't even, in case ah, uh, for people that don't know, how do you even imposter syndrome for me anyway? If I was to define it some way is if you get into a particular environment that you fully deserve to be in, that you've worked hard enough to achieve to get there, but you still feel as if you don't deserve to be there. And there's like a weird voice in your head that's saying, no, you shouldn't be here. No, look at the people around you. You're not like that. And it is so bad when you are the only of any, of any kind, really. Being the only person and you just feel like, oh, am I even... 
am I even in the right place? Like, do I even deserve to be here? Like, because it's just you and only you, quote unquote, made it and nobody else did. Now you feel like, oh, I should, I don't even deserve to be here. Like, I don't even deserve to be the person that made it. And this is the worst thing ever because it can trickle into so many other parts of your life that don't even make sense. And you have to actively tell yourself, I did the exam with everyone else. And my scores were high enough for me to be in the school. I did my mocks and my scores were good enough for me to get the GCSEs that I got. Like, I don't need to feel bad for being here. But still, there's still that small feeling that's just like, what are you actually doing here? And then it kind of forces, weirdly forces you to work even harder, which you put on more pressure on yourself because it's like, well, now that I'm here, I have to maintain my 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 presence even though I don't have to continue working to be here I'm not gonna get kicked out of the school oh the imposter syndrome is so bad it's so so bad 100% bro and you know when I felt it so bad I felt it like very strongly is when we were what was that was it last year year 11 that we went to Cambridge that is when it hit me (laughs) that's when it hit me that is actually yeah. real because like prior to that I kind of been like yeah a bit iffy like I'm the only one it's calm say less it doesn't matter but then when you get to you think okay it's secondary school it's fine you get to the university now and you're still feeling the same way remember I'm not even I'm not a student at this place by the way I'm I'm 16 I don't go here how can I already feel like I don't deserve to be here I'm here on a tour <laughs> I walked around the market for two hours and I was like, I shouldn't be here. This isn't right. Like, it's, 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 it's actually really harmful like, when I think about it. Like, because that's a feeling that I've, oh, ca- I've carried with me. Since I went to Cambridge, I'm literally like, I'm not going to Cambridge. I'm not going same, there. I don't even think <laughs> I want to apply there. Like, I don't even think I want to go. I don't want to I told my parents, I don't, obviously, I've never been to Oxford. I don't have any experience with Oxford. So if I was going to apply to one, it would most likely be Oxford, but obviously, you need to go to see if it's worse than the Cambridge experience was. <laughs> but I've told my parents, I don't even think I'm going to apply to Oxbridge. Like, I just don't, it's just not a bit of me. And this isn't us bashing those institutions either. Like, <laughs> Oxbridge are big, big, big boy schools. So we're not even fighting them. But it was weird because you would think we would feel more at home because we saw about six or seven people that went to our secondary school yeah. at Cambridge. So you thought, hmm. Maybe I kind of had like a home here, but at the same time, you you would go and you just feel so small. And then you walk around the market. Simple, simple things. Where am I gonna where am I gonna buy plantain from? If I want to try some, where am I gonna get yam? Where am I gonna buy hair? If I want to do my hair, where am I gonna buy the extension from? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> if you don't laugh, you will actually cry because at this point. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> This is what I'm saying, but then it's like, if then I I feel I find myself like at a crossroads, especially because we're in year twelve now, and it's like year thirteen is literally in September. That's in eight months. Not to like bring that hella close, but it's in eight months time. That means at that point we're kind of applying to universities, finalizing personal statements of things. Now, if I was going to apply to Oxbridge, I would have had to be looking at it, and the way I look at it is like this: the universities I've got in my head to apply to. I'm thinking to myself, I would feel comfortable in those universities. Most of them are in London, by the way, if that helps, because, yeah. 
But yeah. I'm like, if you apply, if you're in our position, you're in your 12 now, you're a black student, you've been to Cambridge, you've been to Oxford, whatever, and you're like, this feels really sketchy. These vibes aren't good. If mm. you don't apply, well, the way I'm feeling is if I apply, okay, I'm applying, but I know in my heart that I don't really like the vibes there. But then on the other side of it, go, yeah. on the other side, I'm like, if I don't apply, who is going to apply? Is the person that gets there going to open up that opportunity for another community? Do you know what I'm saying? If I don't go there, who is going to fill that gap? Because will it be a person of colour? Will it be a black person who gets that opportunity? Another black person that gets the opportunity? Or have I just thrown that away? Because it's now a thing of, with the imposter syndrome and the pressure of being like the only one, it's like, you're, if you get into a high, a high institution, you're not opening the door for your network of people. You've now set that precedent and said, well, I got there. You can get there too. You have that example to make. What if the vibes are so bad, do you go? It's like you're, you're, you're responsible for people that you don't even know at this point. Like, what? I don't even know these kids that are going to be applying in how many years' time because they knew me and they, because they said, oh, because Cavs could do it, because Joel could do it, now I can do it. I don't even know you. And now I have the pressure of thinking, well, if I don't open this opportunity for you, who will? Oh, how yeah. I didn't sign up for this. Like, I didn't sign up for this. This is literally oh, no. what I mean. Because then it's like, you get that whole spiral situation where it's like, if there's no one there that looks like you, like with us, if there's no one in this institution that looks like us, I'm not going to apply that. I'm not going to lie. More time, I'm going to be like, oh, not really feeling it. Because if you don't yeah. see an established black community and you're black or the only person, you're not really going to want to go there. But then it's like, mm. if we don't go, do we not just continue that cycle? Mm. And this is what I'm saying. If there were more black people in our school or in our year, right, then the chances of somebody black applying would be higher. Yeah. So then... It wouldn't be a thing where we. The, I guess the pressure is more spread out <laughs> because then it's not a thing where we need to feel as though we need to be applying to these places. Like there are more, there are more black girls in our year now because obviously um, in sixth form people join our school. Um, but like, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know, and I don't want this pressure. Like I'm being so honest, I don't even think I'm gonna put down. Cambridge as one of my five options when the time comes. I mean, I might, who knows? But when you think about, because there are some people that have wanted to go there their whole life, and you applying, if I get in and say, mm, not feeling it, I've taken that opportunity from someone else. But then it's like, I've taken that, it's either I've taken that opportunity from someone else, or I've not given these black kids the opportunity to say, I could actually get there if I wanted to. Like, I actually have the option of going. And it's like, oh, who do I choose now? Who's more of a priority to me? That's the thing. And I think like, it's an unfair yeah. decision to have to make at this age, to be honest. Well, trust me, like, because, I mean, the another thing, though, if you think about it, it kind of leads back into the whole um, restriction around, like, your like subjects and linear like pathways is that with Oxford and Cambridge, this is no diss to them. They're very much, they're old institutions. So, like, they are... Old, some of the oldest universities in the world well not in the world but like modern universities in the world if that makes sense so Bro, their curriculum the their curriculums tend to be more 
like a bit like not like I'm not saying they're bad. They're very good curriculums. They're very they have the teachers there amazing. The courses are amazing. However, if you're looking for a degree that is less like traditional, it's harder for you. But if you're mm. black and you're looking for a degree that's less traditional, it's doubly harder for you because you're thinking I could just go there and do a different degree. And then I've gone to I've gone to Cambridge and I've opened up that opportunity for my network of people. My yeah. god sisters, sons, nephews, whatever, cousins are going to be like, oh, yeah. yeah, she went, I can do it. But then it's like, I don't want to do any of those degrees. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, you have this weird thing. It's like, it's a double yeah. pressure because if you don't want to do the subject, that's one thing. But if you're black and you kind of have this weird responsibility where well, you kind of have to go there, you feel like you have to go there to, to sort something out like somebody else. It's like a weird, like, it's a really weird thing i don't know that that's where my my predicament is now because i'm like i don't want to go to oxbridge from what i've experienced of it anyways but at the same time and like i i wouldn't go there because like subject choices but if you think about it in terms of the other people in my in my community being able to say i'm from i say i'm from tottenham guys i was born in hackney but i'm still from tottenham whatever i'm from north dash <laughs> east i live in east okay i'm from everywhere but for me to be able to say yeah i got there i'm from an area that's considered deprived or impoverished, and I got to Cambridge. Oh, that word. Anyways. It's crazy. The legacy mm. of that is crazy. And to me, it's like, do you put your imp- your personal impact over the legacy you could have on so many other people? Yeah. I just, I'm not even saying we, but we're actually in... A national lockdown right now so we'll see how it goes but I think what, what needs to happen is um, I just think there just needs to be more students getting in if more get in if they want because the thing I feel like so many people could want to go to Oxbridge they just haven't been exposed to it if they get into schools like ours right not necessarily private schools I mean if the if the family have the means yeah go private me personally I don't see the point of private school when we're learning the same thing and I'm not paying for education. But anyway, that's a different argument. If they have the means, go private. If not, get into a school like ours and see and have the experience of Oxbridge and see if you want to go there. People will want to. We just don't. Like We just don't. And we shouldn't feel as though we should go there because it will allow other people to go there. But the responsibility should fall on getting more students into our school so that they can be exposed to this. Because now it's like, I'm not going to, oh, I don't know if it's something selfish or not, but I'm not going to say, well, because of all the black kids that could do it, now I'm going to go to a uni in a place I don't even want to go to. Like, I was never given, I'm not the queen. I'm, that is not my responsibility to carry on my head. Therefore, I think it's, it shouldn't even be a thing where how we feel now, it's, it's unfair for us to be feeling like this. It's unfair for us to be feeling like this. Like, we shouldn't have to think like this. Like, how many other kids from other demographics in our school are thinking, hmm, I should apply to Oxbridge so that these kids can do it? Because they can see that I did it, so they can do it. But, bro, I just want to go to uni. Like, when did the responsibility of other children become my like become my responsibility? It's not fair. It's it lies on the institutions. We need to get more black kids exposed to these opportunities, and therefore more black kids can have a choice. Because I feel like they don't even have the option because they just don't know. 
it's it's unfair because it's purely ignorance because they've just not been exposed to it. If they knew, they can have a wider scope to make a wider set of decisions. But they just, they just don't know. And that stinks. So... <laughs> See, like, I, I, this is the thing. It's like, I think, like you said, the, pro- the problem is, like, or the solution, or both, is outreach, right? From, like, the actual institutions, mm-hmm. like, downwards. And, like, obviously, there are, pro- there are projects for, like, six-on students, I think. Like, Target Oxford, for example, is, like, it's meant to help um, encourage, like, um, kids from black, like, black kids, basically, to apply to Oxbridge or to, like, other units. Like, it's like a mentor improvement mm-hmm. thing. It's pretty cool. I personally didn't apply because I didn't want to go, but it's, it's a good... Um, experience and it's a good opportunity right but my thing is within like even the thing I'm trying to like get my head around is within secondary schools it's a, yeah. again a thing if you're like a black student or a student of any whatever it doesn't matter where you are but if you're like passionate about this I guess pushing that to the like to the front of the agenda for your school in terms of outreach because that's a conversation we were meant to have last year but we didn't get to have because of the whole corona thing as as you mentioned earlier it's like mm. how is a school actually out like reaching out to different areas are they reaching out at all or is it you know restricted in a certain way where it's like only this area is getting that exposure because I think a big part of it like you said is exposure and if you know about it but I think another like layer to it is why like not why isn't there exposure but why isn't there exposure or like why isn't that information made available just generally because I feel like the whole point this is a bit of a history lesson by the way in like the 60s or 70s, they reformed the education system. So you have like different schools and it's meant to be equal opportunities for everybody. So you can apply to where you want to go to. If it's not like being exposed equally, how can that system work? Does that even like morally? Yeah. But also legally, does that make sense? If you have a system that's meant to be equal for everybody, but the opportunities are even being made equal. Does that even like uphold the system that is supposed to be in place? But I'm thinking like, if you even have outreach, okay, say you have like advertisements for our school, for example, or grammar schools like our schools in Tottenham, in Harrogate, in Enfield, in Hackney. Okay, you're a, you're a parent now of your child. You see, the, you see the advertisement. You might go home and look it up, but do you have a computer at home to look it up on? Oh. Do you have Wi-Fi to look up the thing? Do you have the money to pay for the tuition? What if your parents don't speak English? How are you going to communicate that to them? Where are the resources for that coming from? Where, why is there a lack of resources there in the first place? If there's an area that is so obviously called impoverished and deprived in every discussion that comes up about it, why isn't more being pumped into that area? Why is it still deprived after so long? Like, that's the thing for me. It's like, we can do advertisement. We can put that stuff out there. But if you can't access it, it can be on your doorstep and you still can't touch it. I'm just so deep in life, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now that's a governmental thing now as well. Oh my gosh. You know when you think the root, you've almost caught the root and then like the root just spreads into like five million <laughs> other roots and now you're thinking, right, <laughs> here we go again. Like, are we going to find this? Oh, Wow. Even now that we're in like in the middle of this pandemic and we're all doing online school because school is closed, how many people have a laptop? Even if you have a laptop, how many people have enough data to supply like Google Meet, 
lessons that like drink up your data as you're like using the data to connect to it. Like how many people have access to that? People have books, how many people have books, people on free school meals. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Bro, where do you even start? Where do we actually start? <laughs> where do we start? This is that's exactly what I mean because it's like you can be like, oh well just like make the government do what they have to do. But first of all, in whose opinion? Because the black voices in government aren't that powerful. There's only a few of them. That's a problem in itself. How do you get them there? They have to the go to uni. Oh, mm. oh, the ones that are there. The ones that are there aren't always... Um, let's just say the ones that are there sometimes forget where they came from. And if, they don't, for, if they don't forget where they come from, do they still get, like, do they get an easy time? Because I can think of one specifically... I don't know if you know who she is. Diane Abbott, basically. She is the MP for Hackney, um, mm. which is not my borough, but it's a neighbouring borough to me. So I claim anyways. Uh, I was born there. Like I said. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so like, she gets racially abused all the time because she's black mm. and an MP. She's put in like, she's very much a public figure. She gets racially abused all the time. She gets sexism because she's a woman. So what she says mm. are valid points. The things that she's suggesting are very important and needed in that area that she's MP of. But she doesn't get heard. Yeah. So it's like, where do you fix this? Because the government should fix it. Okay, fine. It's government's responsibility. But why would they fix it? Is it in their interest? Who's going to lead that? Who says that is the right thing to do? Like, what voice is saying that's the right thing to do? Ooh. Well. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like we're just going in a massive cycle. Because what's my response to that? Exposure. Let people know that they can get into these places. How do they get there? They have to go to uni. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just going in a massive, massive circle. And it's just, oh, uh, you feel almost powerless. But if we're thinking solution-based combo now, mm-hmm. what's the next step for us? We get into those institutions and we just don't forget where we came from. Because often the, the tendency is you go to this kind of institution, and I'm not even blaming people like this because life is hard already. You go to that institution and you just want to make your life as easy as possible. So you draw yourself towards the majority crowd, which in very, um, very good like institutions, like really academic institutions, tends to be a white majority, right? You try to fit in with your white counterparts and forget that you're actually black. You forget where you came from. You start investing your money in rather than pushing the black community, you just fuel it into the already established white community that is basically running our society, right? So now it's like... You've gone to uni and you've forgotten after you come up and then forget. And we have to actively decide to not forget. We have to actively remember why we're here and who we represent but not do it in a, from a place of like added pressure but rather do it so that we can support those who come next because as soon as we start investing in the black community bro <laughs> there is too much potential in our community for it to be wasting the way that it is it's actually mental like it's it's meant it's absolutely crazy and i feel like once we get to the quote-unquote top just don't forget who's below you on the ladder like help somebody else up where you can like I don't know I it shouldn't be 
it shouldn't be this complicated. Like, we're not, we can get into these institutions, which is obvious, it's obvious because we are there. Just don't forget. Don't forget where you came from. That's what needs to be instilled in these people in these higher places. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget your humble beginnings. I know for some people it's a case of like, it could be like genuinely traumatic and it's one of those things where they kind of hide away their brain because they don't want to think about it anymore. But you've been through that so that somebody else can have a solution. I feel like every issue, that every life thing that I've been through is for somebody else. So I don't think it's a case of like, get to government and fight the government because black people would get into government and forget. We just keep forgetting. Why are we, why are we forgetting? Do you know what? I find that so interesting about the black community. Because if you look at, for example, Asians, yeah? Asians support each other like no other. If there's an Asian guy, yeah, that's like the manager of an office and two people are applying for a job, one white guy and one Asian guy, the Asian manager will pick the Asian guy because they just stick up for each other. But there is too much fighting within the black community that is just bringing us like five million steps backwards. If we could actually come together and remember who we are and the potential that we have, we wouldn't be where we were or where we are rather. Because the potential is too much. So just don't forget who you are and don't forget where you've come from because other people need it. So... That's my rant over, like. <laughs> nah, I'm just thinking what you said, like. Nah, I'm just thinking what you said. Sorry, I just got like, hmm, I was thinking. I was like. Just whisked away. Yeah, thought. I was like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because what you're saying is so true, like, about, um, like, supporting other black people, I think. Um, mm. But I think, I think some, I think a lot of, like, what happens sometimes is, like, people get into it position of power like black people get into position, position of power it's not everybody by the way but some people get into position mm. of power and then either they do that like, tra- the trauma thing where like, they just forget about it because their brain's like don't, don't remember that please or it's mm. like you get there but you you dissociate on purpose and I can understand why that would happen to be honest like, I get it because it's like if you are associated with a bad like a community that's portrayed as bad you're not going to want to like be that community are you I, I understand it yeah. but I think at the same time, like, like you said, it's so important to remember where you come from because everybody else does it, if that makes sense. Everyone else does it. And if you think about the, it's the situation we're in right now in terms of institutionalized racism or just schooling or education, how it is now, you look and see that in a job, in a job scenario, like an interview scenario, if there's a white person and a black person and an Asian person, more time, if the, white, the person that's white is interviewing, the white person will get the job, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they're not as qualified, they will get the job they stick up for each other, right? Mm. Asian people stick up for each other and it's a commendable thing to do. It's only detrimental to us when we don't do the same thing, if that makes sense. And that's not saying, oh, don't hire anyone who isn't your race, but I'm saying, if you think about it, it only hurts us because we don't do it for ourselves. You know what's funny? If we were, if it was a black person employing, you know they would employ a white person, the white person. Exactly. the black person was the employer. Exactly. They would pick the white, anyways... <laughs> it's like it's I just feel, like oh, <laughs> when you and then it's like oh my gosh you've literally triggered so many conversations I want to have with you now because like you've asked this you said these things I'm like ah like now I want to fam I'm hungry exactly so now this is going to be a whole other look what she's done look <laughs> look what she's done 
I'll be guys, don't worry, I'll be on this podcast a lot. Let's just say yeah, she'll be back because now I have I have things I want to ask her. But uh, <laughs> but like for real, I think it's a lot about mentality, like individual mentalities, mm. because that is what I guess builds a community, isn't it? Like if you look at like in mm. like in like countries that are majority black, like the Caribbean, for example, Africa. I can't talk about Africa to be fair, but I haven't been, or I don't really know too tough but caribbean anyways <laughs> most of the time I, the same I thing happens you, africa is a lot of black There's the same thing happens though like yeah. in africa yeah. not in african caribbean that happens here we have a majority black country like jamaica for example most people that are black there's a, a decently big population of south asians and east asian people that are also there and mm. you have a, a company that was started by a black family say i, I don't know a clothes shop or something they will get bought, the company will get bought by an Asian person. And then the whole company is now run by an Asian person, which means that the black people that started the company are no longer benef- profiting from the company maximum because they've sold the company now to someone yeah. who isn't going to employ their people. And then it's a thing where you're not looking out for each other because, you're, because you've sold it to someone who's, you sold it to an Asian person because they've offered more money to you than the, than the, black, the black buyer has. Now you've cut off your whole network of people. It's now, like even in Nigeria, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'll, I'm like I'm Nigerian. It sometimes when I've gone to Nigeria, I'll be in Lagos, right, and I'll see like I'll actually on the street see like a white person and an Asian person. If you see the way these men get treated, like royalty, I'm thinking, do these people not have shame? This is just a white person. This is just <laughs> an Asian person. Like, why are you kissing their feet like this? I've seen movies, yeah. Say this movie is about a hotel now. Nollywood film. You go and you're watching the film, see the way the receptionist treats the people that are from her country. Then you see how she treats this white person that's come for a business trip. All of a sudden, penthouse sweet, complimentary food, complimentary wine, complimentary everything. You can, anytime you need us, call us, we're available. But you can be serving a black person, a Nigerian person that is even richer than that guy and you wouldn't even treat them accordingly because you just see white is better. Bro, we are going to start so many conversations. Why is white better? <laughs> oh my gosh. There are so many conversations that have come out of this conversation. The whole notion that white is better and black is dark and bad. And then people want to... Mm-hmm. Woo, bro. Well. <laughs> Let me just chill. <laughs> Let me just chill. Let me chill. Because... <laughs> See, this is the thing. We could go on for hours. <laughs> this is we talking for? An hour and a half. Over an hour and a half. We could go on. Let's put that into context, yeah. Most of my episodes are like 15 to 20 minutes long. Um, oh here God. we are at 90 minutes and running. But it's fine. It's fine. It's a movie. So, biggest takeaways from said conversation, I guess, are about kind of individual mentality, for sure. And just kind of, mm. I think it's a lot about like your, how you feel about yourself. Because that will dictate how you behave in a certain situation and how you treat others around you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because if you're not secure in yourself and in your blackness, then you feel the need to to drift into uh, whoever. So, yeah, that was the end of our conversation. It was very, very, like, insightful and I think very, very helpful and informative um, to have, like, two different perspectives on 
the same topic. Um, I thought it made it was right, really interesting for me um, to engage in the conversation. But I hope also, like as a listener, that you also found it um, a bit more, like engaging, a bit more insightful and helpful um, and informative in, t- in terms of the experience of a black student and like just academia and how we approach it as black people and how it affects the black community and black students in particular. So I really, really hope that you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. I want to just doubly shout out my friend Kamsi Ajoku for agreeing to do it with me because the conversation we had was like absolutely amazing. Um, And I think she was really the right person to talk about it with. It was really, really fun to record and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please check out her channel and also her Instagram all the information for her socials will be in the description, as well as information for my socials and all the platforms this podcast is available on will also be linked in the description of this episode. So without further ado, I want to just say goodbye and I'll see you next time. Next episode will be a monthly update for January, the first one of 2021. So I will see you next week, Sunday, at around the same time. And you can listen to my tune in and listen to my first monthly update of the year. Thank you for listening. Bye.